The Great Controversy by Ellen G. White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by J. L. Baldwin. Chapter 31 Agency of Evil Spirits. The connection of the visible with the invisible world, the ministration of angels of God, and the agency of evil spirits are plainly revealed in the scriptures and inseparably interwoven with human history. There is a growing tendency to disbelief in the existence of evil spirits, while the holy angels that minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation are regarded by many as the spirits of the dead. But the scriptures not only teach the existence of angels, both good and evil, but present unquestionable proof that these are not the disembodied spirits of dead men. Before the creation of man, angels were in existence, for when the foundations of the earth were laid, the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. After the fall of man, angels were sent to guard the tree of life, and this before a human being had died. Angels are in nature superior to men, for the psalmist says that man was made a little lower than the angels. We are informed in scripture as to the number and the power and glory of the heavenly beings, of their connection with the government of God, and also of their relation to the work of redemption. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. And, says the prophet, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. In the presence chamber of the king of kings they wait, angels that excel in strength, ministers of his that do his pleasure, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands were the heavenly messengers beheld by the prophet Daniel. The apostle Paul declared them an innumerable company. As God's messengers they go forth, like the appearance of a flash of lightning, so dazzling their glory and so swift their flight. The angel that appeared at the Saviour's tomb, his countenance like lightning and his raiment white as snow, caused the keepers for fear of him to quake, and they became as dead men. When Sennacherib, the haughty Assyrian, reproached and blasphemed God and threatened Israel with destruction, it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians an hundred, fourscore, and five thousand. There were cut off all the mighty men of valor and the leaders and captains from the army of Sennacherib. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. Angels are sent on missions of mercy to the children of God to Abraham with promises of blessing, to the gates of Sodom to rescue righteous Lot from its fiery doom, to Elijah as he was about to perish from weariness and hunger in the desert, to Elisha with chariots and horses of fire surrounding the little town where he was shut in by his foes, to Daniel while seeking divine wisdom in the court of a heathen king or abandoned to become the lion's prey, to Peter doomed to death in Herod's dungeon, to the prisoners at Philippi, to Paul and his companions in the night of tempest on the sea, to open the mind of Cornelius to receive the gospel, to dispatch Peter with the message of salvation to the Gentile stranger. Thus holy angels have, in all ages, ministered to God's people. A guardian angel is appointed to every follower of Christ. These heavenly watchers shield the righteous from the power of the wicked one. This Satan himself recognized when he said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? The agency by which God protects his people is presented in the words of the psalmist. 
the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. Said the Saviour, speaking of those that believe in him, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you, that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father. The angels appointed to minister to the children of God have at all times access to his presence. Thus God's people, exposed to the deceptive power and unsleeping malice of the prince of darkness, and in conflict with all the forces of evil, are assured of the unceasing guardianship of heavenly angels. Nor is such assurance given without need. If God has granted to his children promise of grace and protection, it is because there are mighty agencies of evil to be met, agencies numerous, determined, and untiring, of whose malignity and power none can safely be ignorant or unheeding. Evil spirits, in the beginning created sinless, were equal in nature, power, and glory with the holy beings that are now God's messengers. But fallen through sin, they are leagued together for the dishonor of God and the destruction of men. United with Satan in his rebellion, and with him cast out from heaven, they have, through all succeeding ages, cooperated with him in his warfare against the divine authority. We are told in Scripture of their confederacy and government, of their various orders, of their intelligence and subtlety, and of their malicious designs against the peace and happiness of men. Old Testament history presents occasional mentions of their existence and agency, but it was during the time when Christ was upon the earth that evil spirits manifested their power in the most striking manner. Christ had come to enter upon the plan devised for man's redemption, and Satan determined to assert his right to control the world. He had succeeded in establishing idolatry in every part of the earth except the land of Palestine. To the only land that had not fully yielded to the tempter's sway, Christ came to shed upon the people the light of heaven. Here two rival powers claimed supremacy. Jesus was stretching out his arms of love, inviting all who would to find pardon and peace in him. The hosts of darkness saw that they did not possess unlimited control, and they understood that if Christ's mission should be successful, their rule was soon to end. Satan raged like a chained lion, and defiantly exhibited his power over the bodies as well as the souls of men. The fact that men have been possessed with demons is clearly stated in the New Testament. The persons thus afflicted were not merely suffering with disease from natural causes. Christ had perfect understanding of that with which he was dealing, and he recognized the direct presence and agency of evil spirits. A striking example of their number, power, and malignity, and also of the power and mercy of Christ, is given in the scripture account of the healing of the demoniacs at Gadara. Those wretched maniacs, spurning all restraint, writhing, foaming, raging, were filling the air with their cries, doing violence to themselves, and endangering all who should approach them. Their bleeding and disfigured bodies and distracted minds presented a spectacle well-pleasing to the prince of darkness. One of the demons controlling the sufferers declared, My name is Legion, for we are many. In the Roman army a legion consisted of from three to five thousand men. Satan's hosts also are marshaled in companies and the single company to which these demons belonged numbered no less than a legion. At the command of Jesus the evil spirits departed from their victims, leaving them calmly sitting at the Saviour's feet, subdued, intelligent, and gentle. But the demons were permitted to sweep a herd of swine into the sea, and to the dwellers of Gadara the loss of these outweighed the blessings which Christ had bestowed, 
and the divine healer was entreated to depart. This was the result which Satan designed to secure. By casting the blame of their loss upon Jesus, he aroused the selfish fears of the people, and prevented them from listening to his words. Satan is constantly accusing Christians as the cause of loss, misfortune, and suffering, instead of allowing the reproach to fall where it belongs, upon himself and his agents. But the purposes of Christ were not thwarted. He allowed the evil spirits to destroy the herd of swine as a rebuke to those Jews who were raising these unclean beasts for the sake of gain. Had not Christ restrained the demons, they would have plunged into the sea not only the swine but also their keepers and owners. The preservation of both the keepers and the owners was due alone to his power, mercifully exercised for their deliverance. Furthermore, this event was permitted to take place that the disciples might witness the cruel power of Satan upon both man and beast. The Savior desired his followers to have a knowledge of the foe whom they were to meet, that they might not be deceived and overcome by his devices. It was also his will that the people of that region should behold his power to break the bondage of Satan and release his captives. And though Jesus himself departed, the men so marvelously delivered remained to declare the mercy of their benefactor. Other instances of a similar nature are recorded in the scriptures. The daughter of the Syrophoenician woman was grievously vexed with the devil, whom Jesus cast out by his word. One possessed with the devil blind and dumb, a youth who had a dumb spirit, that oft-times cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him, the maniac who, tormented by a spirit of an unclean devil, disturbed the Sabbath quiet of the synagogue at Capernaum, all were healed by the compassionate Savior. In nearly every instance Christ addressed the demon as an intelligent entity, commanding him to come out of his victim and to torment him no more. The worshippers at Capernaum, beholding his mighty power, were all amazed, and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this! for with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. Those possessed with devils are usually represented as being in a condition of great suffering, yet there were exceptions to this rule. For the sake of obtaining supernatural power, some welcomed the satanic influence. These, of course, had no conflict with the demons. Of this class were those who possessed the spirit of divination, Simon Magus, Elymas the sorcerer, and the damsel who followed Paul and Silas at Philippi. None are in greater danger from the influence of evil spirits than those who, notwithstanding the direct and ample testimony of the scriptures, deny the existence and agency of the devil and his angels. So long as we are ignorant of their wiles, they have almost inconceivable advantage. Many give heed to their suggestions while they suppose themselves to be following the dictates of their own wisdom. This is why, as we approach the close of time, when Satan is to work with greatest power to deceive and destroy, he spreads everywhere the belief that he does not exist. It is his policy to conceal himself and his manner of working. There is nothing that the great deceiver fears so much as that we shall become acquainted with his devices. The better to disguise his real character and purposes, he has caused himself to be so represented as to excite no stronger emotion than ridicule or contempt. He is well pleased to be painted as a ludicrous or loathsome object, misshapen, half-animal, and half-human. He is pleased to hear his name used in sport and mockery by those who think themselves intelligent and well-informed. It is because he has masked himself with consummate skill that the question is so widely asked, does such a being really exist? 
it is an evidence of his success that theories giving the lie to the plainest testimony of the scriptures are so generally received in the religious world. And it is because Satan can most readily control the minds of those who are unconscious of his influence that the word of God gives us so many examples of his malignant work, unveiling before us his secret forces, and thus placing us on our guard against his assaults. The power and malice of Satan and his host might justly alarm us, were it not that we may find shelter and deliverance in the superior power of our Redeemer. We carefully secure our houses with bolts and locks to protect our property and our lives from evil men, but we seldom think of the evil angels who are constantly seeking access to us, and against whose attacks we have, in our own strength, no method of defense. If permitted, they can distract our minds, disorder and torment our bodies, destroy our possessions and our lives. Their only delight is in misery and destruction. Fearful is the condition of those who resist the divine claims and yield to Satan's temptations until God gives them up to the control of evil spirits. But those who follow Christ are ever safe under his watch care. Angels that excel in strength are sent from heaven to protect them. The wicked one cannot break through the guard which God has stationed about his people. End of chapter 31